Well, good evening, everyone. Um, can I add my welcome to Andy's? As he said, my name's Naomi, and I'm a member of the, the church here. Um, on my front line, I'm an English teacher in a secondary school. I've dabbled in a little bit of leadership over my 21 years teaching. No, I don't look that old, thank you very much. Um, um, and at the moment, I'm on leave from that as a little person joined our family back in the autumn. So when Ellen asked me to speak again and to speak on this particular beatitude, my initial response was to laugh and suggest that somebody else better talk about this one. For context, for those who don't know me, I don't have a reputation for meekness. Two little insights, hopefully, that will give you some ideas as to where I'm coming from when I come to this passage. In my 20s, two decades ago, my now husband was asked if he considered me girlfriend material. His response was, nay, no, too short and too opinionated. <laughs> now, he is, a, is happy for me to use that anecdote, provided I make clear to you all that his issue is with the height difference between us and not short people in general. <laughs> um, but the point about opinionated, I think, still probably stands. I'm not known for being somebody who's backwards about coming forwards with ideas and opinions when I feel them. Um, and secondly, um, just another one of many that I came up with when I was writing this, um, I was in a leadership role in a North London comprehensive school before we moved to Chichester. And one of the roles I had over the six years I worked there was at every school production and concert, I was the backstage discipline. Um, to the point where on programmes, and in fact some t-shirts, I was dubbed Mrs. The Muscle Sheldrake. Um, these are... Uh, I, is a, is a, was a badge, in fact, I wore with pride. Um, so I'm speaking about this topic today as somebody who finds the concept of making oneself meek and being meek quite tricky. I come to this um, from a place not of having this right. I've been challenged preparing this message, and I'm certainly not telling you something that I managed to do. I'm preaching to myself more than anybody else, I think, here. Um, but I pray that God will use this to speak to us all, and I definitely include myself in that prayer. So let's take a look at the word, meek or meekness. If you were my Year 7 class, we'd start with an activity where we're looking at any key word in the text where we consider the definition, the denotation of the word, and the connotations of the word. So here's your definition of meekness. Oxford English Dictionary, of course. Humble and submissive, suffering injury tamely. And that's the definition there. I think we can probably agree that maybe those things don't sound like our favourite attributes that we're striving for, but that they do sound like attributes and that we can see in Jesus and heroes of the faith and that we know that we should be striving for. The problem we have, as well as it, the difficulty of striving for those things, is that the connotations of the word for most of us aren't those. Now, for connotations, I would get year seven to close their eyes. I'm not going to ask you to do that. And I would just say the word cat. 
Now, in the dictionary, a cat is a small, soft-furred, four-legged, domesticated animal. When I ask Year 7 what they saw when I said cat and they closed their eyes, we get, if I let them, 30 different responses, ranging from a beloved pet who's the apple of their eye to a mangy, scrounging, scratching, horrible beast. A connotation is what the reader brings to the text and hears and thinks when the word is said, and also what the author intended. And it's usually more than the definition. The issue is our cultural connotation as well as the difficulty here. We've got two issues with meekness. Now, here's the dictionary.com definition of meekness. Dictionary.com, in case you are an English student, doesn't give definitions. These are connotations. These are what we think of in our society now when we think of this word. And here's dictionary.com. Docile, overly compliant, spiritless, deficient in courage, and weak. Now, these connotations suggest our culture, and possibly some of us, would translate this beatitude, um, the doormats will inherit the earth. Or worse, use it against us when we attempt to stand up for justice. That's not very Christian, is it? Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. So we need to ponder this word. We need to reclaim it a little, but we also need to be honest about what it does mean. So what we're going to consider this evening together are some the, the definitions and some of the, the Bible commentators who've actually looked at what Jesus was talking about and how they present this word to us. And then we're going to use three examples of um, heroes of the faith of mine um, to help us illustrate what meekness is and what meekness isn't. And then we're going to think about how we apply it to our lives. So, we've looked at the actual definition, humble and submissive. Michael Green, in his commentary on this passage, uses this phrase to say what meekness is. <coughs> those who are so small before God that God can afford to exalt them without the danger of them getting proud. And this is why this beatitude is the third one, is where it fits in what Jesus is saying. If we have recognised that we're poor in spirit and that we come with nothing without Jesus, we rely completely on God... And if we can see the wrong in the world and the wrong in ourselves and mourn it, we become able to see ourselves in the right way before God, to become small before him. And John Stott picks it up in his definition here. He says, meekness is a true view of oneself, expressed in attitude and conduct with respect to others. It makes us gentle, humble, sensitive and patient. But as we'll see this evening, it doesn't mean staying quiet, out of the way, or being a doormat. What we're going to see in these examples is that meekness is a personal quality. It is a choice we make when things are about us. And it is not something that we make a choice of in regards to the rights of others. And I hope that that will make more sense as we go through and talk about our examples. I'm going to start with the example of Jesus. So three particular areas I picked out of 
the, from the life of Jesus as examples of meekness. And they are washing the disciples' feet and the torture and humiliation finally ending in the crucifixion. Jesus is the Son of God. He commanded massive respect and authority on earth. But in this first example, he takes the job of a lowly servant. He washes the feet of his disciples. They point out, in fact, how incongruous that is and how it doesn't work, but he makes that choice to humble himself. When he gives no answer during the beating and torture he suffered, that isn't because he couldn't give an answer. Jesus would have known the hearts and minds of every single one of the people hitting him, and worse. He would have been able to turn to them, look them in the eye, and tell them something that would have stopped them immediately. But he didn't. He chose meekness for our sake at that point. And he went on to accept the most humiliating and painful death that a pretty brutal regime could invent. Again, not because he was forced to, he could have stopped that at any time. He was divine, is divine, but he chose it. He suffered injury tamely, to go back to our definition. But my contrary brain would like to argue that was Jesus. And Actually, he wasn't meek all the time, was he? And surely me, as my humble human being self, doesn't ha- can, can choose which bits of Jesus' example I like to follow, and I would prefer to follow the examples of Jesus' strength. I like the idea of turning over some tables and being angry with some Pharisees. Thank you very much. And so Jesus, uses, Jesus isn't a doormat. Jesus doesn't just accept. I've just taken one example from Mark 11 verse 15, he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. We could also have a look at some of his responses to the Pharisees for examples of things that definitely don't fit meekness. But there's a key distinction. When we look at these examples, Jesus is defending the rights of those who cannot defend themselves those who are weaker than he is. The money changers and the people selling things in the temple were putting barriers between the poor and God. The Pharisees were putting barriers between people and God. And what Jesus is doing is responding to that with strength and power on behalf of others, not when he is personally attacked here. Godly strength and strong response are for others. The voice in my head tries again. He's the son of God. You can't be expected to do that. Nobody else does all of those things. And then I go to my other two. I was challenged by my other two examples that actually that is exactly how we should be living, that that's what we're called to do, to give up our rights and to focus on justice for others. So I take Esther as my second example. Now, for more on Esther, when we get to her, um, please do have a listen to the series we didn't quite finish in March 2020. Can't think what happened. Now, Esther, 
Esther was an ordinary girl who was taken into the king's palace to be prepared for presentation to the king, so he had a choice of new wife. The being taken isn't an example of meekness. That was forced upon her, and we're going to talk more about that in a moment. But what Esther does within a very, very difficult situation is demonstrate meekness in four particular ways. She submits to Mordecai, that's her guardian, who tells her, don't tell them who you are. Don't tell them about your background. She submits to various beauty treatments. I don't imagine those were anything other than quite painful. She submits to Haggai, who was the ruler, the leader of the harem that she became part of. She does exactly what he tells her. And then she submits, is meek to the king, and pleases him. At no point does she use the very little power she might have had to sulk, to make demands beyond what was recommended, to go against the instructions Mordecai had given her, to choose or to try to make herself look less beautiful in order to further her own wishes. And it's fairly clear if you read this story that none of us would have wanted to be the queen, which is what they were um, preparing her for, but to be allowed to leave and go home. But she submits, she is meek. She doesn't push her own rights. But again, like, our, like Jesus, she isn't a spineless doormat. She isn't lacking in courage, and she isn't weak. When her people are in danger, and when there's something she can do about it, she stands up for them. If we have a look at Esther chapter 4, verse 16, she goes to the king. Now, go back to the series for a, a deeper analysis, but this would have um, was against the law and could potentially have resulted in her death. And this is what she said. I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. She certainly doesn't conform here to that list from dictionary.com of docile and lacking in courage. But the key here is that she isn't fighting for her own rights. She submits meekly to having those stripped from her. But when it comes to fighting for the downtrodden, a people who are about to be slaughtered, she stands up and she does something about it. Her strength and power, all that she has, isn't used for herself, and that's what meekness looks like. And finally, the final hero of the faith I want to talk about is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Now, Bonhoeffer was a German pastor and theologian. He smuggled Jews to safety in Switzerland. I should say he died in 1940. Well, you can see his dates. He died in 1945. He was part of the Valkyrie plot to assassinate Hitler, and he was eventually executed, having spent time as a prisoner in Nazi concentration camps. He was executed on the 8th of April 1945, two weeks before their liberation. I'm trying to read a biography so I understand more about him. Um, I was lent one two weeks before our little one arrived, so I haven't read very much yet, and I'm afraid I dipped in using the index for um, the quotes I'm going to give you this evening. But I have enough to share some examples of meekness and the way he uses his strength. So, Bonhoeffer in 1939 was actually in America and then London. He'd got out. He knew exactly what was going on in Germany. He'd been there previously. 
he'd spoken publicly denouncing Hitler, but he'd been called up to military service in the Nazi army in Germany. It would have been far safer for him to stay in London where he had a job, and a job that he thought was doing good. But he returned. He put himself under Nazi rule. He gave up those rights, the ability to stay in a country that would have welcomed him and were looking after him. And then he was executed. <coughs> Excuse me. At the end of his life, a witness to his execution wrote, at the place of execution, he said a short prayer and climbed the steps to the gallows, brave and composed. I've hardly ever seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God. Giving up his rights, meekly, what meekness is, for other people. But he was also not lacking in courage. He wasn't a doormat. He gave up his rights, his opportunities, his own safety, and used his strength to, tr to protect the weak, to protect the persecuted, and to fight for justice for others. In fact, one of the main ways he did that earlier on in his career was to stand up to church leaders who he thought were getting it wrong. But he didn't use it for himself. And that's what strength is in the upside-down kingdom that Ellen talked to us about in the first message of this series. It's fighting for others and choosing them over our own needs and wants. So I want to try and apply this now to situations that we might face in our front lines. Before I do that, I just want to, to put a caveat here, please, and emphasise that meekness is about a choice to surrender our rights and wants in preference to others, like Jesus washing the disciples' feet and Dietrich Bonhoeffer choosing to go back to Germany, surrendering power. What it is not is having that power stripped from us and just accepting it. That is abuse, and if you are feeling that you might be in a situation where that applies, please, please speak to someone and there is help for that. Please do not hear any of us say that you should just accept that meekly and that that's what we're talking about. But when we do have a position of power, or when we do have the strength, are we in our lives able to surrender it? Do we surrender our rights and wants? And do we use the godly strength that we do have to stand up for others? What does meekness look like in our frontline places? Wonder if you could think about where you'll be this week in a team at work, with a boss in school, at home. We're perhaps unlikely to suffer physical torture and execution. We might well not be called to stand in front of a king and speak for our people. But what does it mean to be meek in our front lines? I wonder what it means to be meek. In fact, I don't wonder. I know, and I got it wrong. When you are stood in a team meeting and your boss publicly thanks a colleague for doing work that you had to pick up from them and it took you two sleepless nights to sort out. Meekness isn't the passive-aggressive response of glaring, catching the eye of the colleague who knew you did it, sidling up to them afterwards and waiting for them to affirm you. 
it would, I would have, it would have been much better had I used the time and energy that I put into feeling aggrieved about that, working for my students. Being meek would have been accepting that, knowing that I work for an audience of one, the Lord and not people, and getting on with it. I wonder what meekness looks like if you're a volunteer in your front line and you're the person that turns up on time every time, helps set up, stays to the, the bitter end, clears up everything, and then gets the same thanks as the person who put their name down, rocked up, but drank tea most of the time. I wonder what meekness looks like if you're in a classroom and the teacher holds you back at the end to talk about your lack of homework when you know full well that the person you were sitting next to copied the entire thing off a chatbot. What does meekness look like then? In our homes, are we humble? Do we prefer others' needs to our own? Are we looking to them first to prefer others' needs? Are we meek? Can we put others above ourselves? And then there's the flip side. If that's meekness, but we have strength given to us, how do we use it? How can we stand up for those who need us to stand up for them like our examples did? If we have colleagues who are victimised by a boss, if we come across institutional casual racism or sexism, if we come across those who are ostracised, perhaps it's the parent of the difficult child at the school gates. Everybody's slightly aggrieved by that child and doesn't want to speak to them. Perhaps you know somebody who's pushed aside. How should we respond to the asylum seekers in our city or perhaps the responses of others to the asylum seekers in our city? How can we stand for the oppressed, preferring their rights, putting our energy into standing for them rather than doing what our culture tells us to do, which is to focus on ourselves and our rights and our needs? So my final thought is that meekness means my rights and wants are replaced by a deep concern for the rights and needs of others. If that's the conclusion, then I need God's help to be able to do that, to be meek, to prefer others. So let me pray for us, and the band will come back up as I do that. And then we'll move into a time of communion where we can reflect more on God's call on our lives. Lord God, thank you for the cloud of witnesses we're surrounded by, the examples of faith we can see, people who gave up their rights, their wants and needs in preference for others. Help us to see the areas in our lives where we can do the same. Help us to prefer others, to have a godly view of ourselves and to use our strength for, to stand for justice for those who need it, for the la to, the, for, to stand for the last, the lost and the least. Give us your strength, Lord God. Amen.